Good morning, noon, or night, wherever or whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. Welcome to This Shift exclusive interview with Clyde Cleveland, the author of Common Sense Revisited, former libertarian candidate for governor of Iowa and producer of the Common Sense Summit, a compilation of interviews with 48 experts discussing a variety of topics from a libertarian point of view. This interview was conducted on July 27, 2021. Clyde has appeared on the shift before discussing individual sovereignty, the constitutional sheriff movement, and U.S. history from a libertarian perspective. Now he's back to promote his latest endeavor, the Common Sense Summit, which brings together experts from all over the spectrum of social and economic activity to create a holistic worldview describing what a free society could look like. After enduring well over a year of anti-democratic government and corporate coercion utilizing the typical tactic of manufacturing a state of emergency in order to eliminate basic human freedoms such as the right to assembly, the right of freedom of speech, and the right to worship as we choose, this summit represents a light at the end of a very dark tunnel. As you will see in this interview, the only political philosophy based on nonviolence and individual freedom of choice has been horrifically misunderstood by many and purposefully misconstrued by the forces of patriarchal colonization which consistently project their own fascistic tendencies on libertarians throughout the empire. What you will hear in this summit will never be taught in a government school or objectively portrayed in corporate media, as this information represents a real threat to the oligarchy that resides at the top of our imposed social hierarchy. The many stuck inside dialectical political thinking believe their only choices are the corporate right or the government left, both of which are controlled by the same wealthy elites who have carefully constructed a society whereby the means of production are controlled by the few. This summit will reveal the foundations of a libertarian philosophy rooted in natural law and representing a system of economy that works in concert with the state of nature. By advocating for naturally occurring, self-evolving systems of economy, libertarianism rejects the commonly held belief that systems of centralized control created out of the hubristic philosophy that mankind transcends and dominates the Mother Earth and fights for organic life over the mechanistic vision of technocratic superiority. This summit features many who have been interviewed on this platform, including Robert David Steele, Dr. Robert Young, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Etienne de la Boetie Squared, and Sheriff Mack, as well as many others who come together to describe how a free society could work if we choose. It includes experts from the fields of economics, healthcare, policing, politics, environmentalism, and sociology to present a perspective rarely produced in such a consolidated format. Go to www.commonsensesummit.com and sign up for free to hear the entire series as it is released each day starting August 2nd through the 6th, or pay just $37 to download and listen to the entire series at your leisure. You can go to www.theshiftnow.com to subscribe for full-length episodes of The Shift, sign up for the newsletter, or listen to hours of free content provided. Look for The Shift with Doug McKenty on all your favorite podcast hosting sites, Rockfin, Odyssey, and YouTube, or find Doug McKenty on Facebook and at McKenty on Twitter. Please like and share this episode as we rely on listeners like yourself to distribute this information. Without further ado, I'd like to thank Clyde Cleveland for coming on the show, and thank you for helping to make The Shift. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this exclusive Shift interview. I'm having Clyde Cleveland back on. We're going to discuss his upcoming summit, uh, the Common Sense Summit that he's put together uh, at commonsensesummit.org. 
uh, and he's got 48 different experts and he is doing a uh, basically a, a libertarian summit to uh, go over uh, lots of different ideas from lots of different angles about how to deal with problems in the modern day from a libertarian perspective. Is that how you would describe it, Clyde? And you want to just yeah, give yeah people- pretty much from from yeah, I would from a freedom oriented perspective, you know, and, uh, you know, some of the things that I've always written about, you know, in my books, restoring the heart of America and, and common sense with a, uh-huh. with an emphasis also on health and environment, which has always been, you know, like one of my top priorities. So, um, you know, a lot, not a lot of libertarians get into those two subjects very heavily, but, but we really do because really with the way I look at it is how can you be, be free and really enjoy your freedom if you're not healthy and if we don't have a, you know, a clean environment uh, right. to, to grow up in and, and prosper. It kind of all goes together for me. So I, I do have uh, mostly, you're right. I mean, mostly as libertarian speakers and freedom speakers, but uh, there are some very, very extraordinary health um, people involved in here and then some environmental people as well. So, um, so anyway, we, we hit more than just the freedom um, point i just that's all you know i would say oh by the way it's commonsensesummit.com oh not dot org great so, so yeah no problem no, no problem so common sense somebody wrote it down just it's commonsensesummit.com it right. starts on monday it goes live on monday which is very exciting um you know so one thing i will tell you the way it works for people who haven't been in a virtual summit before um mm-hmm. what you do is you sign up and you get uh, for free. You can do it for free. There's two different ways you can do it. The, the free way is you get uh, you sign up and you will get ten speakers um, sent to you uh, via email, and you will be able to choose which of those speakers you want to listen to and what whatever order you want to listen to. And you have 24 hours to listen to the ten speakers. At the end of 24 hours, they then they go away, they disappear, and you uh, have 10 different speakers, and so on each day. Tuesday, you get 24 hours for 10 more, and then Wednesday, you get 10. Then Thursday, you get nine, and Friday, you get nine. There's okay. 48 speakers. Yeah, yeah. So, so if if you know, and a lot of people do once they see a couple of speakers and they realize how valuable they are and they realize that they'd like to listen to all 10 and they don't have time, then if they want to, they can pay $37 and they get all 48 speakers. We call that the VIP pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, you buy that, then you have you instantly get all 48 speakers and you get to keep them as long as you want. Right. You can listen to them on your own time. On your own time. Exactly. Anywhere you want. So, yeah, anyway, it's really exciting. I I'm new to virtual summit uh, business, as you know, um, and you know it's it's just really exciting. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to be doing from now on. I really like this format. Yeah, it's a cool way uh, to get the information out there, but also to be able to monetize some of your work so you can get a little something for the effort. I'm I'm kind of interested. Uh, it's uh, just checking yeah. out the website. Uh, getting ready for this conversation. Uh, it's a, it's pretty neat. Yeah. All the things that they offer and all the ways that you can, can get involved. Do you want to just, before we get too deep into it, I want to get a little bit more of your history. I know I've spoken with you a couple of times in the past. And so people that are really right. familiar with the show are going to know who you are, but just for those who are new, 
Um, yeah, why don't you uh, give a little bit of your history and uh, some of the some of these books that you've written in the past, and some of your political activity? Uh, sure. Well, first of all, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've started many, many companies. Several of them have been successful. Some haven't, but that's what it is with an entrepreneur. And, um, and, but I've always been interested in politics my whole life. And, um, you know, it was than that. my grandfather was a, a political judge in Lake County, Indiana. And uh, it's just uh, sort of in, in my family. And uh, in very freedom-oriented, uh, always, my whole life. And, uh, you know, I, I became a libertarian probably about age 30. You know, because it seemed to make more sense to me than than either party. Mm-hmm. I lived with the Republican Party when Paul ran. Ended up at Formidity and I for the Republican Party and and everything. But you know, it, essentially, uh, I I just believe that uh, the libertarian uh, philosophy is the only thing that really makes sense. Yeah. You know, just with people alone, and because uh, when, when when human beings can interact without interference from government or anyone else, they prosper and, and just they exchange. And it's just so amazing. The internet started. You saw what happened. The government wasn't involved. And everybody, you know, all the creativity of all the people just came out, you know, and it was free. And it was just amazing, the creativity and the prosperity that was created from that. That's mm-hmm. a class of what our lives could be without you're breaking up you're breaking up a little bit Clyde can you maybe walk outside or okay <laughs> I am outside okay I am outside um yeah I, I, I what it is I'm on this event um called rag Ride, where I'm riding across the country with 20,000 other people and there are so many people here in this little one that have cell phones that, yeah, it's right. just sometimes it's a little wrong. Okay. Too, I'll, I'll let you know if it breaks right. up too much, but. All right. What do you, you need say? me to repeat something, just let me know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I've been uh, kind of going through this lately because so many people have a, uh, I, I, I would call it a perverted sense of the history of libertarianism where they really don't understand. I mean, a lot of people get libertarianism uh, confused with uh, corporatism and they really see, uh, I mean, I've heard people talking about how they think that, you know, it was libertarianism, for example, that philosophy uh, that built the country on the back of slavery uh, you know, in the in the 19th century, or on the backs of the working class, and that uh, you know these capitalists that that I feel like, at least in my experience, the the free market philosophy is often conflated with the corporatist philosophy, which uh, has historically been very statist. Do you want to comment on that? Because it's almost frustrating to oh, me the sense of history that that's people a have. Great, it's a great question because mm-hmm. people think capitalism. Okay, capitalism is a word I never use. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's so it's so confusing to so many people. What we're talking about is free enterprise. What mm-hmm. we're talking about is people being able to be free to without coercion to communicate with each other. In a libertarian society, slavery would be virtually impossible. Yeah. Virtually impossible because you would never We don't believe in coercion. How could you 
enslave somebody. I mean, as a libertarian, it's impossible. Absolutely impossible. We want everyone to prosper. Yeah, I mean, one of the, to me, uh, it's the only political philosophy that's based on nonviolence. And I don't think that people really understand that. I mean, they Beautiful. see the, the exactly. economic system as as it is, and they and they conflate that. I mean, they've been taught that it's capitalism. They've been taught that capitalism is, is belief in the free market. And they mm-hmm. see this economic violence happening all around them, and it makes them reject the concept of libertarianism. But actually, uh, libertarianism rejects this violence and provides... Uh, people the ability to live free of coercion as you said it's so it's so sad to me that so few understand so, this so yeah any any real libertarian is totally against corporatism and mm. i am too i was actually a socialist i was a member of the socialist party before i became libertarian because of corporatism these right. corporations are using force and coercion to coer to buy government officials so they can use the government to be coercive in their favor. Look at the pharmaceutical industry. Well, Eisenhower's speech was a beautiful example. Military, industrial, mm-hmm. congressional complex. But, but many people don't understand that Eisenhower, Eisenhower did not say, did not write in his speech, military, industrial complex. He wrote military, industrial, congressional complex. At the last minute, his advisors had begged him not to put the word congressional in there. Right. But, he understood that what what had happened is the corporations, especially in the military at that time, but now it's pharmaceutical, uh, are using coercion, buying uh, senators, buying congressmen, buying uh, government bureaucrats in the FDA and the EPA and all of these different organizations to force their uh, whatever it is, their agenda on our country and that wouldn't that wouldn't be evolved uh, it wouldn't be allowed under a, a libertarian system it just wouldn't be allowed yeah i mean another thing that comes up a lot is that i think people believe that it's a, a free market ideology that's behind colonialism and and even and patriarchal structures like i it just kind of boggles my mind because to me when i read the history i see very clearly that it's been libertarian philosophy since the 1600s that's been fighting colonialism, fighting feudalism, is continuing to fight colonialism, corporatism, neo-feudalism to this day. Uh, but people's sense of the history is so uh, conflated. I, you know, I think it's been done on purpose because I think that the corporatists uh, and you know the upper class, the the elite that is controlling this hierarchical system, the system of of colonialism, uh, they don't want people to know about. Uh, a free market system that a free market system can work right <laughs> so exactly we no, get they taught, don't. yeah we get taught this left right paradigm that is actually set up to fail it just confuses people they don't understand uh what's going on i mean i was thinking about it the other day that they, they don't teach austrian economics at, at school you know but you'll learn about marxism all day long right yeah, and really, the libertarian. A lot of people explain libertarian as the best of um, the right and the best of the left. In other mm-hmm. words, you know, the liberals and, and unfortunately, the liberals don't do this anymore. But they used to believe in civil rights and right. people, you know, civil rights and and protect their rights and freedom of speech. My God, you know, they were big on that, and but not anymore. I'm yeah. 
way, you know, where you take sort of, you look at a libertarian as definitely very strong on civil liberties and freedom of speech, mm-hmm. uh, but also very much uh, allowing for people to, um, to, in, to engage in business and free and in, in enterprise with each other without interference from government, with as little pop as possible. And, uh, and the other thing I want to mention is, is uh, for, in terms of using force against other countries. In a libertarian world, no one would attack anyone else. No one would um, try to uh, un- undercut or uh, break down a com- uh, country like our CIA, CIA does covertly around the world. That's all coercion, yeah. and that would never happen in a libertarian society. The best example I could give you would be Switzerland. All the countries in the world would be just like Switzerland. We would be neutral. Uh, in all fairs, we would not have alliances with any other nation because then if you join that alliance, then that puts you at war with whoever that is against that alliance. So you'd be totally neutral and you would have your citizens totally armed so that no one would ever, ever even consider uh, invading. And so um, Switzerland has been in war since uh, six, uh, 650 years ago was the last war. Wow. Yeah. And nobody has ever invaded. So, so that's, that's a good example of a foreign policy of, of a libertarian uh, world. And and that's where we need to go. It really is. It makes so much sense. It is pretty amazing. And and it's also amazing to me how few people understand this. They, they really, uh, I mean, I met so many people and they just think that uh, when they see something bad in the world, it must be because of a free market because the government's not strong enough uh, despite the many, many, many examples you can give of government intervention, government violence, just, you know, destroying people's lives. I think the last year and a half is a great example of that. Uh, and maybe we could yeah. segue into, you know, what's been going on. You were talking about, uh, of the libertarian philosophy yeah. of, of healthcare. And I think that healthcare freedom, I mean, clearly has been, uh, taken out of the hands of the individual, mm-hmm. uh, healthcare decisions, uh, and has been placed solidly in the hands of the state. And so many people are supporting this. And of course, it's a corporate state because the state uh, enables the, the corporate healthcare system, Big uh, Pharma. Uh, and very it's just well a, said. Very it just well amazes said. me. Yeah. So what is yeah. the libertarian perspective on, on healthcare then? Uh, you know, first of all, it's, it's, it is totally corporate right now it's the the pharmaceutical industry is so powerful the people who own the pharmaceutical industry started with rockefellers and carnegie Mm -hmm. and the the ones who created the pharmaceutical industry and they also uh had a campaign to destroy naturopaths uh to destroy natural health uh practitioners and to destroy homeopathy uh, homeopathy homeopathy and so all of that was and at once they funded all the medical schools, 11 medical schools in the country at that time. They funded them and they got three uh, seats on the board of directors of all those medical schools. And to this day, they control those medical schools. They influence them and make every make everything towards pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals and every problem. And so. Uh, can you repeat that, Clyde? And, uh, you're, well, I'm starting to, you're starting to break up a little bit. Okay, sorry. I mean, it's the pharmaceutical industry who are behind COVID. The mm. people actually, it's more, it's more true to say it's the 
handful of people that control the pharmaceutical com- companies that created this agenda. Right. You know, the Rockefellers, uh, Klaus Schwab, uh, who is actually a Rothschild, and uh, and Bill Gates and George Soros and all these people. And the, 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 the elite, the Davos elite, they've had this, they've been planning this for decades. And uh, and they're carrying it out quite effectively. But people are waking up. People are, and it's a fantastic. This is this is the most incredible time of my lifetime. I'm 72, because I believe that uh, we have an opportunity now to establish a more libertarian society mm-hmm. now, because people are waking up to this coercion, and this is all coercion. You see what they do when they get an opportunity to see these governors like the Michigan and California, Oregon, and Washington, and Ohio governors, how draconian they are in Australia, what they're doing, and all these other countries. Right. When they have a chance to use that power, it's like a drug. It's like cocaine. They are drunk with power right now, and they're just going to keep on doing it. Um, until we, we, and I think people are waking up to the fact that if we don't stand up now, we're going to be slaves. We're going to be, uh, you know, transhumans. That's our, their plan for us. The ones that are left after, you know, what, what they plan because it's all, every single one of these people are eugenicists, every single one of them. Right. And, uh, and they want to, they want to bring down the population and they want to cha- keep the rest of us as slaves. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, what's been and what's been amazing to me, and I'm just getting frustrated. I feel like I spent a big portion of my life trying to find a, a compromise with the progressives and trying to, uh, y- y- you know, trying to figure out a, a kind of a balance between my own libertarian philosophy and maybe the socialists that I know or the progressives that I know, so that uh, so that we can work together. You know, we can we can be political together, and we can come up with with uh, ways that our communities can thrive uh, given both of our ideas. And I've just, in the last year, I've seen so many um, uncompromising individuals and these people are consistently siding with the sides of the corporations and the state, the corporate government complex, as I call it. And, and just, um, and while pretending like they're, anti-corporate and i just i'm i'm trying to understand like the the vocabulary even that's getting used i almost feel like the world has gone upside down uh and so many people who claim to be supporting the common Mm. man are absolutely supporting big pharma and and big corporate media and you know listening to propaganda unquestioningly and i it's just amazing to me i'm trying to i'm trying to understand what's going on you know (laughs) So, so it's not the, the same people I mentioned that own big pharma are also quite, uh, you know, involved with owning the media. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got five corporations that own almost virtually every. We're talking, you know, and and the new, oh, tremendous power. Yeah, you can probably repeat that. You're breaking up again. Sorry. <laughs> That that is starting to win because the propaganda they're pushing is so intense and so outrageous. People are finally starting to wake up. But when they control the pharmaceutical industry and they control the media, then they control the agenda that most people are listening to. I I mean, 
the people like my son who watches CNN all day long, he's a day trader, is so brainwashed, I cannot have a conversation with him. Mm. And I try, I try, I really try, but it's like, he just, he actually believes what he's hearing on the TV. Right. People think that they are being told truth and they're being told a an agenda. They're repeating an agenda. And the best way to, to prove Just do this sometimes, and you will hear them saying the same talking points every day on every single one of those channels. <clears throat> so you know that there's somebody controlling the agenda, which is the CIA, and has been for years, but the CIA is also controlled by those people. So you've got a handful of people with an agenda, and they're pushing it, and they're doing it very well, and they know what they're doing. They're very brilliant. They can afford to pay the best, smartest people, but these people have no ethics. That's the, that's the thing. They have right. no ethics, and they and lies. What I'm finding right now at this time is truth has a certain resonance. There, truth resonates in a certain way that it won't be allowed. Eventually, it's going to rise to the top. Is bottom line it's going to rise, and I see it rising. I think it's. I think that people are waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are going, are getting, uh, you know, energized and there are new outlets, you know, that, you know, people like you that are podcasters and, and so many different stations and so many different outlets now and, you know, telegram and all these different things that are fighting back against the censored, you know, like Google and, and Amazon or, and Google, or no, let's see, Facebook and, and all right. these that are YouTube that are that are censoring people. People don't like censorship. Even even you know people that were Democrats uh, and now are not anymore. That, that's a, that's the thing that's happening. They're starting to wake up because they don't believe in censorship. Right. You know, yeah. people don't believe in that. I mean, it's amazing to me. I've seen so many people who are okay with the censorship or, uh, you know, the irony of, of hearing my progressive friends now saying, well, these are private companies and they can do what they want, even though there's clear uh, government influence over what they're censoring and, and they're clearly working together. Uh, you know, my yeah. progressive friends are now using the, this sort of capitalistic rhetoric uh, to say the corporations should be allowed to censor whoever they want. It's just mind-boggling to me. I, yeah. don't, under, I don't understand. Uh, certainly, I believe that uh, if you're speaking truth, then you're not afraid to have a debate You know, in an, in an open forum. And so to me, if anyone starts to yeah. censor, then clearly it should be a red flag to anyone. But, well, uh, in, I'll tell you, in a way, I almost agree with him because I think what's happening is the free market is uh, is going because the ends reading I, I believe are down seventy five percent. Okay. So so people are they are realizing they're waking up to what's going on and they're going for the they're they're trying to find alternatives uh alter, alternatives to these <coughs> to these major media networks mm-hmm. that are just putting out this propaganda. So I think the free market really eventually wins. But it's it, it may not seem like that right now, right. but I think eventually, you know, people are going to wake up to this narrative and, um, you know, all of a sudden they're going to find, we're going to find out that 80%, 75 to 80% of the people are not buying uh, that agenda anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I hope, I hope you're, that you're right. I know a lot of people in my community wake up in the morning and listen to NPR and just can't believe that, uh, you know, NPR yeah. wouldn't tell, wouldn't be They'd telling be. them the truth. <laughs> I know, and then so. they're actually as bad, if not worse, than a lot of the other ones. So, yeah, um, I did know, see. I saw a lot of progressives wake up when uh, Bernie Sanders got so clearly uh, uh, during the, the during the 2016 primary. Actually, even though he really right. got ripped off again yeah. uh, in the 20 last year in the 2020 primary, but uh, that that got all overshadowed by COVID. That was one of the most actually bizarre. The Democratic primary basically just ended. You know, the, the mainstream media just stopped covering it and called Biden the winner. That was one of the most bizarre experiences of my news watching life, actually, was to hear that. But but during the 2016 primary, I think a lot of people saw that there were shenanigans going on behind the scenes with Bernie Sanders running against Hillary Clinton when he was attracting huge crowds and she was getting almost no crowds and yet miraculously she was somehow winning and the exit polls were showing Bernie Sanders winning landslides and yet Hillary was coming out on top. (laughs) Uh, So people did wake up. Well, um, I think, I, yeah, I think that last time in 2016, they just screwed him over in in political ways. mm -hmm. But this time I think they just paid him off. That's what I think. But, um, you know, I just flat paid him off. And who knows how much money? Right. But, um, Bernie, Bernie. You know, I could sit down and talk to Bernie, and I think you and I could both sit down and talk to Bernie and sure. agree on a lot of things. Yeah. Because he's an anti-corporatist. He and Trump totally agreed on on TTP. Right. Uh, it was a trans trans oh TPP. The Trans Pacific uh, Partnership. And Clinton, yeah. Yeah, and Clinton was in Monsanto's pocket, so she had to. Um, she had to back it, but then she, Bernie was beating her up on that. So, so effectively she, you know, in a phony way said that, you know, she, uh, she agrees now with Bernie, which is total BS. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, but, and then, and then you get, you know, so Trump and, and Bernie actually had quite a few things in common in terms of, you know, corporations, um, and, and TP and Trump right saw right through the TPP. And uh, and he canceled it as soon as he was in office, which was amazing. You yeah. know, so, um, you know, I wasn't uh, when when Trump first started running, I was not for Trump. I was for Gary Johnson, who was a libertarian. Yeah. And um, and then, and then I really started to increase positions against Trump's positions. And I began to realize that on some of the key issues, especially defense and foreign policy, Trump was more of a libertarian than Gary was. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a. Trump had a more, you know, uh, non-interference with other nations' uh, foreign policy than Gary did. Right. Um, and also, Trump was um, against uh, forced vaccines. Uh, and Gary thought, well, you know, vaccines are good. And, you know, he, he, Gary was not strong on that issue either. And yeah. I began to think, well, you know what? I'm, I think Trump's closer to me than, than uh, Gary Johnson, which was kind of a surprise to me because you know, I thought I, you know, I didn't particularly care for Trump at that time, but my God, he was he was more of a libertarian than Gary Johnson, and he did everything he said he was going to do: cut regulations, cut the TTP, TPP, uh, and he. We haven't been in a war for the last four, you know, for his four years. So right. you know, it's 
Uh, he, d- he did end up backing down on, really. on that vaccine position, though. That was unfortunate. <laughs> uh, he, there was an interesting position. I'm not going to defend him on that. But um, I think that would, he was kind of in a tough position. And I also heard that that vaccine that he actually created was nothing more than hydroxychloroquine. But I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, I don't, who knows what the real story is on the vaccine? Um, but, um, no, I, I, I didn't like him, uh, pushing that vaccine, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what his strategy are there. There's a lot of stuff that you and I will never be able to really know the full skin. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would sure, I would just say to this audience, I know enough about the vaccine to highly recommend that you stay as far away from it as you can. Yeah. And I have two great speakers in the summit. We have two fantastic speakers on the vaccine, Dr. Tenpenny and Dr. Madej. Yeah. Um, they are both brilliant, 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 very successful medical professionals. And uh, they'll, they, if you listen to those two interviews, folks, you will, you will learn a lot about that vaccine and what it really is. Yeah, I know. I just I was actually looking down the list. I think I've interviewed uh, 10, 10 people that you interviewed for the summit in the past and 11, including you, if I add you to the list, um, including Dr. Madej right. and Dr. Tenpenny. And uh, one of the other things that's been frustrating me about the mainstream narrative when it comes to the vaccine is unlike when I listen to NPR and they almost never actually cite their sources, Dr. Tenpenny is constantly uh, linking to peer-reviewed scientific sources for what she says. Um, my conversation with her was so brilliant, and Dr. Madej as well. So uh, you have that to look forward to yeah, if you check only, out the summit the for thing, sure. And you know, you know that the only thing that they can do to Dr. Tenpenny, because she is so highly credible and sources everything, is to try to destroy her, mm-hmm. you know, with, with falsehood, you know, and lies. And that's right. what they're doing right now. They're she, putting all kinds of negative stuff out about her. They're calling it the disinformation dozen, right? That the 12 people, Dr. Tenpenny yeah. is one of them that, yeah. uh, that are trying to, right. um, that have an alternative opinion about the vaccine than the corporate opinion. And, uh, and they're trying to, to call it disinformation, of course, as usual, only through censorship and, and uh, through n- non-debate tactics. They won't actually have a, a, a debate with these guys. Uh, they'll just call oh, them names. Oh, they would, would never debate them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully people through that. And I think they are. I mean, you know, a lot of people are fighting back against this vaccine, the mandatory vaccine and, and everything. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I think their days of their agenda is going to fail. I think it, I really do. I think it's going to fail. Well, it seems so, like they're pushing it, so it, it, hard. It, it, you know that it can that it yeah, can now one back, of our, it can backfire. And one of their one of the speakers is Tom Woods, who is a um, brilliant liberty freedom advocate, absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. His, his undergraduate is at Harvard, and I think his um, and his um, master's or uh, law degree is at um, Yale. I think I think those are the two schools. Brilliant man, absolutely brilliant phenomenal freedom advocate uh, author and uh, teacher and he is somebody that is uh, in this summit that you i want people to hear oh i know i really want to make sure we get time to talk about richard mayberry yeah now richard mayberry's written many books whatever happened to penny candy 
Whatever Happened to Justice, which is the one that we talked about mostly in the interview, Mm -hmm. and many, many other books. He's a tremendous uh, man, a very uh, powerful advocate, and he's an economist, a brilliant economist, a free market economist. But um, he talks about Whatever Happened to Justice in common law. I want to explain to people how important this is, because in common law, there is no crime unless there's a victim. Right. And that, if you, I want people to think about that. And what would that mean? Okay. Um, how about somebody who's smoking marijuana? Well, are they harming anyone? No, of course not. So that's not a crime. It's just not a crime. Right. Um, you know, so, so you look at all the crimes that we have in this country. And a lot of it is drugs, a lot of it is alcohol, you know, breaking the alcohol laws and all these different things, but mostly the drug laws. About 90% of the people that are locked up in prison would not be in prison if we were under a common law system. Yeah. And so it it just makes so much sense. Uh, No victim, no crime. And then also, if you, if somebody somebody actually harms someone else, then they have to compensate the person that they've harmed. That is a critical part of a, a true justice system mm-hmm. work for people. And the person, yeah, okay, good, good. So anyway, compensating their victim, that's, that's what you do. And that basically, we would almost wipe out prisons. And the cost of prisons... The number one budget item for every state in this country is the prison system. Yeah, the cost of incarceration, and it's a big comp- It's a big industry now. It's you know, a, so it's amazing. Yeah, the United yeah. States has more yeah. people in prison than any other country in the history of the world right now. And and how can you even call yourself a free country when you you own that statistic? You know, I mean, like... I I I figured out I figured out the numbers because I got all the numbers. And we incarcerate eight times as many people as the average country in the wow. world. Eight wow. times the average. It so, sounds yeah, sounds like our military we, budget we, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we're spending and wasting a tremendous amount of money and creating a much poorer justice system yeah. um, with what we have now. So again, with a libertarian, freedom-oriented uh, society, uh, the justice system would be completely different than it is now, and it wouldn't be as costly. It would be much more effective, much more effective. So those are things that people need to know, um, and I'm, I'm so glad you're giving me the opportunity. And, and so that interview with Richard Mayberry is one of my favorite of the 48 interviews in there, um, because nobody really explains that as well as he does. Great. Um, and uh, yeah, I got a couple other speakers in there. And then I have, uh, I want to mention, I have a, six speakers on a very interesting topic, and that is the corporation of 1871. Our country uh, during the Civil War incurred a huge amount of debt. And the only way we could cover that debt uh, was to borrow. And who did we borrow from? The richest, most powerful forces on the planet, the, the, uh, city of London, the, the royalty and the Vatican. 
mm-hmm. and, and the international bankers. And they created a corporation in 1871 that was the United States. Uh, they created the Constitution not for the United the United States, but of the United States. In other words, they changed one word in the name of their corporation. Right. And that corporation has been acting as our government ever since then. And it gradually has taken over more and more control, moved us further and further away from our original republic. And that original republic ceased to exist or it ceased to operate didn't cease to exist. It ceased to be operating at that time during the Civil War. And then they had put in the U.S. citizenship with the 14th Amendment. They turned us all into U.S. citizens. First of all, the 14th Amendment was just going to, it was just for black folks, but now they got the whole country as a U.S. citizen. The U.S. citizenship didn't even exist until that time. Hmm. And so all of that I can't go into in great deal, but I just want you to know, your your listeners to know that this is a critical thing, a, a, a critical factor in us regaining our freedom is understanding what this corporation means, what it's done to us, and how we can get out of it and reestablish our original republic under the principles that it was supposed to be operating under, which we are not anymore. Right. Well, why don't we spend, we've got about 15, 20 minutes left here, but I wanted to touch on the other topic that you brought up because uh, you were talking about discussing health and environmentalism from a libertarian point of view. And so many people, I mean, this is another, like, I can't believe the misinformation that's out there in the world about libertarianism, actually. I mean, the average person has no idea about the solutions to the problems that libertarianism offers in in a nonviolent way. That libertarianism has always been uh, the anti-colonial, anti-feudal political philosophy, you know, and it's the only political philosophy that's ever defeated these forces and fought back against these forces successfully, at least for a time. And now uh, we're losing that fight. Hopefully the, the pendulum will swing back again. But when mm-hmm. it comes to the environment, so many people simply think that uh, in a free society, in a, in a free market system, uh, the environment just gets trashed. There are too many externalities. We see it all the time. And again, they, they conflate what's happening now with what would be happening in, in a free society. Uh, they see all the public lands uh, that are getting polluted and all the toxins that are getting spread all over the place. And they've been taught that it's the free market that causes this. So what is the libertarian solution to the environmental crisis? Well, uh, I serve on two boards, a uh, board of directors. I'm a, a board director directors of the International or um, uh, the Institute for Responsible Technology with mm-hmm. Jeff Smith on GMOs. Uh, and I'm also on the board of directors of uh, uh, JFAN in Iowa, which is a, a promoter of um, uh, getting eliminating the waste and the uh, smells from uh, hogwash. Um, because it's structured. Now, let me talk about the hogwash because it's a really good example. Okay. Yeah. In a libertarian, in a libertarian freedom-oriented system, if somebody put in a hog lot and that hog lot be able to use your porch and not be able to sleep at night because of the screaming hogs from the hog lot that their neighbor put in right next to them, and the smell is so bad, they're they're sick. Mm -hmm. People are so sick 
that they can't live in their house anymore, then can you put that hog wall would have to compensate those people for their for the damages that they're doing to their to them and to their health. And that, and in other words, they would be able to sue them, uh, and they would be able to, able to sue them for enough to shut that factory down. That factory down, right? Um, because there's just no way that they have. They don't. That, that person does not have the right to destroy the air and water of their neighbors. Right. They just don't have that right. And so, in a libertarian world, you would be able to sue them. But you want, you know, why they can't sue them in Iowa? Hmm. Because the state, the state is dominated by big pharma. I'm, excuse me, big ag, big ag. Sure. In Iowa, and so. They own the politicians, and they won't let the politicians do anything about it. And they just they right. write the rules. So, is, so you don't a, have. Go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say this is just another aspect of the misinformation that people get about the concept of property rights. Where when I look at it from a libertarian perspective, I see that property rights are what give the individual the power to fight back against toxic trespass when when people are polluting your property or polluting your house polluting your home and and the, your land and the air that you breathe then you have the power to fight mm-hmm. back uh, and so many people want to say that private property rights for some reason they go straight to slavery and they they think it's the commodification yeah. of like I don't think you know they see it as this uh, um offensive force uh, against nature yeah. and i see it as a comp- i mean it's just the complete opposite it's a defensive tool to protect nature and i don't understand why i can't explain this to people in a way that they can understand because it's like how else are you going to defend your property mm-hmm. against toxic trespass against pollution against big ag against these corporations that are you know taking over the commons and destroying your uh your way of life i i mean what what other tool can you come up with and and they want to use regulation at best regulation allows the corporations to pollute a little bit you know <laughs> like well they when anybody says that to you, you just say yeah that that's fine but who controls the regulation of in course. iowa it's the it's the it's the people that are actually creating the game codes. So, yeah. so that doesn't work. You, you've got to go to a freedom-based system uh, with the common law system where if you, uh, you destroy the property or the lives or, or whatever of another person, then you must compensate them for their loss. Mm-hmm. So that would end it. There, that people just don't understand what it means to have a common law-based freedom-based system right uh where people have to compensate for their losses and uh in iowa you can't you can't get that done here and so people are just you know you know they're, they're doing things like trying to sue you know like some of these counties are suing other counties because they're getting the uh the waste products in their water yeah you know from the counties that have all the hog lots it's a mess yeah, and until we go to a, a common law based system, uh, it's going to continue to be a mess. And, and you know, uh, this corporatism—it's corporatism. That's the evil. That's yeah. the evil, right? That's the one that's going to cause it. But um, yeah, GMO. Uh, Jeffrey Smith is—you uh, know—let wh- it, it, me put it this way for everybody, all your listeners: if it wasn't for Jeffrey Smith and the Institute for Responsible Technology, GMO foods would have never been labeled. Right. Um, that's how powerful the IRT is, and uh, 
and, and now Jeffrey is going to tell you. Yeah, he's one of your interviews too, right? In the summit. Yeah, that's why I'm talking about him. Yeah, he's a, he's an interview in the summit, and he's also now he's even more concerned about gene editing. Did you sure. know that um, you can buy go on Amazon and buy a kit to do your own gene editing for 165 dollars? Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's something that's got to be done there, but I want I want you to hear it from Jeffrey. Uh, so definitely, people, it's worth joining us to be in this summit just to hear Jeffrey Smith and Richard Mayberry. Uh, and and also another one I have to mention in terms of health is um, Dr. Um, oh, come on. Now it's, you know, the one uh, from uh, Escondido that I have in there. You have uh, Robert, Young? Robert Young? Yeah. Yeah, I have Robert Young in there. And he is the man who he's a microbiologist. He's the one who was the first one to prove that a cancer cell cannot live in an alkaline environment. Right. <laughs> so he he goes into a whole discussion about how people can restore their health, keep their health, and live to 120 feet oh. healthy, and live a very good, solid, clean, wonderful life until a very old age. It is amazing. Alkalize, learning how to alkalize. When I had my conversation with Dr. Young, I realized that, you know, science has actually evolved in the last hundred years and Rockefeller medicine has prevented so many uh, healthcare breakthroughs from being applied in the marketplace because they're not profitable enough. And it is just so frustrating to know that humankind has learned so much about how the internal body works and how to actually live and be healthy. And yet, uh, big pharma yeah. just prevents that, and instead creates this in whole environment that promotes chronic disease because that's the most profitable for them. Just f- phenomenal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, or here, actually, put him in prison. In cancer, in curing cancer, in patients, that, and that's their big money maker is cancer. Yeah, uh, you know, treating cancer. That, um, you know, they they actually put charges, and uh, but he's back and he's doing, he's going all and so anyway, um, I have personally uh, given the um, the recipes uh, for his um, getting getting alkalizing for people who have with to live. And they did the, um, the alcohol got and for, okay. So I've seen his, I've seen his techniques and his formulas work, um, and actually, you know, cure in my own life. And right. So it's amazing, amazing knowledge. So Dr. Young, um, and there's so many people in there. Um, it's, uh, I have several constitutional sheriffs, uh, that are in there, um, that are, are tremendous work. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Badnerick is in there. Michael Badnerick is uh, one of the main pr- proponents in Texas for Texas independence. Now, Texas is a very interesting state. They don't have to secede uh, because they were an independent country, actually, for a few years. And they, but they could redeclare their independence, and uh, he, we talked about. It. 
Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that one because uh, when I lived in Texas, that they were there was a, an organization that was trying to secede, uh, and somebody was actually running for the presidency of Texas, and I do believe the the FBI ended up getting involved with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're not going to like it. They're going to the corporate the corporates run this country, and they don't want anybody breaking off. Yeah. Um. You know. So. You know, I, I think that we are at a very exciting time and a very positive time. And, uh, you know, so so I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. There's a lot of problems, of course, but I think we're moving in the right direction. I think people are waking up. I really do. Yeah, I hope you're right. I, I vacillate back and forth um, because I, I'm just so amazed at how easily influenced people are by the propaganda that they're getting from the corporate media. Uh, I don't know what it takes to educate people that they're not getting told the truth. Uh, and I'm shocked at how many people, I mean, to me, it's almost become a, a cult-like indoctrination where they will only listen to the corporate government media and anybody with a different opinion is, uh, you know, will trigger them into like a fight or flight situation where they can't pay attention to what you're trying to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to libertarianism, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I see where you're coming from. A lot of people, I mean, this this coronavirus thing was, was uh, I think a lot of people can see that it's overkill. They're not seeing a lot of people in their personal life that have really been affected by, you know, I mean, the, there's not the mass death you would associate with the pandemic, I think, or... Uh, or, you know, alternative treatments, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, where the scientific evidence is mounting up that, you know, early treatment protocols really could help and the government uh, basically making them illegal so that the big pharma companies can profit off of remdesivir. Uh, and I mean, gosh, the government gave financial incentives to put people straight on the ventilators, wait till they got super sick and then put them on a ventilator. Um, and killed them. Unbelievable. They killed them. Those yeah. ventilators killed a lot of people. You know, and, and, um, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable how bad it is right. and how awful it is and how crooked it is and how, uh, how wrong they were about everything. And in terms, in terms of deaths, the total number of deaths, uh, from 2019 to 2020 and 2021, we're not, they're all the same. In other words, there is no, where are the millions of deaths from Corona? Right. They don't exist because those people actually died. Of heart attacks, diabetes, cancer, pneumonia, flu, and other things, yeah. and and so they just made it. This made up. It's just all made up. And then the you know the hospitals were getting paid uh, so much money, you know, for uh, putting people on ventilators, and and so much money for just putting people as COVID as COVID deaths. Right. And, and even COVID you know. positive cases, the state governments were getting money and the hospitals were getting money to find COVID cases. So, of course, guess what? They're going to find a lot of COVID cases. They're not getting any money for a flu case, you know. So, well, all they did there, all they did there was turn up the cycles on the test. So right. they went to 40, you know, fourth, you know, higher cycles so that they would get, you know, false positives. And that's that's what they did. And then when they bring then. You know, when Biden got elected, then they turned the cycles down to 30 and all of a sudden, you know, there's less cases. Right. So, that, you know, I guess the Biden administration has fixed the problem. You know, I mean, that's how that's how obvious and, uh, you know, just corrupt the, the whole situation is. Yeah. But uh, pe- again, 
people are waking up. And, and I think uh, another example that people are waking up is, you know, they're trying to have all the athletes in the NBA and, and uh, the, you know, the different teams, uh, baseball and different ones, be uh, to get on with this agenda, to believe and, you know, promote the agenda. And mm-hmm. the more they do that, the more the ratings go down. You know that this was the lowest ratings for the NBA Finals in the last 35 years. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. I yeah. did hear that the Grammys uh, were just terrible. Nobody Nothing. watched. Yeah. yeah, people aren't people aren't engaging yeah. with the popular culture. That's for sure because it's so over the top. Yeah, they're they're not engaging because they see these people trying to um, trying to push an agenda you know, that it doesn't, they don't agree with. So they're just tuning them out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good, that's another sign. The fact that, you know, CNN, like I said before, CNN uh, viewership dropping 75%. These are signs, very important signs that people are waking up and saying, uh, we're not buying your agenda anymore. We're just not going to believe you anymore. And as that happens, their stranglehold on us starts to weaken mm-hmm. it starts to weaken and i think it already is because people just aren't buying it anymore and um and the more that keeps continues to happen and i think it will and you know what then what they do is they push even harder and when they push harder more people react the same way right you know that that i'm saying you know they they're just tune out I've been a little bit interested in the in what's happening in the United States because it's actually in Europe, in Australia. Just this past weekend, we saw millions of people come out to protest these vaccine passports uh, and these lockdowns. And the United States doesn't seem to have that that level of organization or that level of pushback just yet. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how to feel about that. Well, that's because we haven't had it as bad as they have. I mean, yeah. England have been total lockdown. Except, you know, in California, they, they should be, you know, there's some of these states uh, you would have hoped to see more people, um, right? you know, coming out. And, there is, and there is this recall against, against Gavin Newsom that's actually gained enough steam. Maybe that angle will, uh, will be effective. Yeah. And there's been some pushback about against that governor of Michigan too. So, so I, I people are angry here, but I think the reason you don't see them like in Germany and Australia uh, in the streets is because you know, look at Florida. I mean, we don't we haven't had to wear masks at all. I mean, right. you know, it's just you know, it's just like back to normal. You know. Yeah. So, um, in a lot of the states in the country are that way. I mean, I'm in the Midwest right now. I was talking, I'm talking to people all day long on this event here in Iowa and people are from all over the country and, you know, people are just not buying it anymore. They're, they're just, you know, they're, they're starting to realize how phony the whole thing is. Right. Yeah. And I hope, I hope more and more people grasp. I mean, again, you know, I just can't, in my experience and my understanding, I mean, just, uh, you know, my lifetime of, of, uh, of studying politics and political philosophy. I mean, libertarianism really is, I mean, the idea of of individual freedom and individual sovereignty is the solution to corporate colonialism. I mean, that, you know, and I just can't, I find it amazing that so many people, it's because they've never, they've only learned what they learned in school, which, you know, the, 
the wealthy foundations are the ones in charge of of coming up with uh, the curriculums that we all learn in school. So they don't teach libertarianism, you know, or the wealthy donors right. at all the universities that come up with the curriculum that we that we learn at the universities, or the the corporations that pay the advertising dollars at uh, uh, you know all these media companies. I mean, they're not going to talk about libertarianism, and so people have this amazingly skewed perception, believing that socialism. Or progressivism is the solution to feudalism and corporatism and colonialism and then blaming libertarianism for these things when clearly everywhere where socialism has been implemented and individual freedoms have been lost, the hierarchy still exists. The patriarchy, you know, it all still happens. It's not like, I mean, because this, the power has been centralized in the hands of the few. It happens look, look inevitably. At, yeah, look at Look at Cuba. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the Latinos here in Southern Florida, well, I'm not in Southern Florida right now, but in Southern Florida, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I haven't met a Latino in three years that's not a strong supporter of Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Hmm. Interesting. They, are they, have, they, 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 they used to be Democrats and the Latinos, some of them were. That right. like Latinos are more and more conservative all the time. They're not buying the progressive agenda. They they are strong Americans. They believe in America. They believe in freedom. They believe in the principles yeah. of liberty. And and as more and more of these Venezuelans come in, and uh, you know Colombians and also the people from South America coming in after they saw what happened in Venezuela, they are <clears throat> the Latino vote is going is leaving the Democratic Party. Yeah. Big time. I mean, it's so funny because yeah. I hear yeah. all the political pundits talking about how the demographics are changing <laughs> and the Republican Party is going to be dead because uh, there's going to be more mm -hmm. brown skinned people than white skinned people here in the U.S. in another 10 years or so. And yet it's like, except for, guess what? Brown skinned people can vote Republican too. We saw the African American vote for Donald Trump doubled between 2016 and, and 2020. <laughs> Because yeah, clearly yeah. he wasn't quite yeah. as racist as the mainstream media was trying to make him out to be. It, you know, it was actually the white upper class that that felt that way about Trump. So amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So that's happening in black monkeys. Uh, it's happening in Asians. I think. Uh, I I think they think they they've got these minorities, and absolutely, uh, they do not. Yeah. And uh, and. <laughs> And, and the reason they push immigration is because they think all the, you know, the Latino uh, immigrate, immigrants are going to vote Democrat. And they come into these communities now and they're moving the other way, the opposite right. way. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, it, their, their agenda is, look, the bottom line is their agenda is awful. Their agenda is not for the people. Their agenda is for their own power and control and influence and they're all addicted to control and power right and so they're gonna lose it that it's it's they're gonna they're gonna lose they're gonna lose this war they really are what do you think about the republican party in terms of i mean i mean just in terms of like the current political system do you think that the change can really happen i mean i basically tell people to just get completely out of the left-right paradigm because uh i mean you know if you would talked no, to me 15 years so. ago well i was just gonna say i don't think Go ahead. 
during the Bush era, you know, when we had Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld, it was clearly the Republicans who were the overt fascists um, taking over the Middle East on false mm -hmm. uh, premises, uh, clearly lying to the people in order to uh, gain wealth for, for their corporate buddies. It's so funny to me that now, you know, 15 or so years later, it seems to be the progressives uh, that are promoting the corporate system so heavily. Uh, the You know, like the fascist pendulum seems to switch back and forth from one party to the next. But, you know, I think that Republicans are waking up too. I guess this is my question to you, because I know that even, you know, say 20 years ago, Republicanism, often people equated corporatism with a free market. And I think that view is 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 disintegrating. I think most Republicans are even waking up and realize that they had been fooled into believing that corporations somehow represent a free market when it really has always just been the corporate government complex, I think, promoting collectivism in whatever form they could, working together, you mm -hmm. know, to centralize the means of production in the hands of the few and to centralize political power in the in the hands of the few. Uh, but is it, you know, it's potential that the Republican Party could turn around and, and if they really start supporting individual liberties uh, over over corporate profits, you know, uh, and start to become the actual party for the people, maybe maybe, uh, you know, maybe we could see the pendulum swing back in a in a peaceful way, you know, using the current system. Like I said, I think I've just almost <coughs> lost any faith that the current okay. system is going to be able to be effective. Okay, so so you you've covered a lot of ground in that. It was a really right. good question and a good statement. So here's the deal, in my opinion, and I you know like I said, I've been a Republican for quite a while, or a Libertarian, mm -hmm. and I got involved when I when Ron Paul ran. So I have a pretty good feel for this. Um, the Republican Party is being transformed right before our eyes, and it's be tra being transformed very very fast. A lot of these um, Republicans, like uh, Kasich in Ohio, for example, um, Rom, Romney, uh, McCain, Bush, these are all fake Republicans. Right. The old neocons. Yeah. They're, they're, well, they're not only are they neocons, they're actually socialists. Right. As Republicans, they're fake. They're phonies. Now, all of them were, and uh, especially McCain. McCain is poor with a human being and uh you know he's still uh, i've been talking to people in arizona uh his influence on the republican party in arizona uh was horrible because he put in all these fake republicans in there and they're all really socialist mm. so what's going to happen is is that's all being purged i mean romney if he if he ran for office again in utah he would never get elected again as a republican no not not anymore People know who he is now, and uh, so so these phony Republicans like Kasich and Romney and all them, they're being purged from the Republican Party. The kind of people that are running now for office are not neocons. They're not socialists. They're libertarian. Yeah, very much libertarian-oriented conservative people. I'd say you know there's a mix there of uh, libertarian Christians, um, and what you know I can I can kind of bridge that gap pretty well um, the libertarians and christians are working together better now than they ever have before right uh to form coalition and that's the new republican party and disaffected democrats the moderate democrats um, and the conservative democrats are coming to 
the Republican Party. Yeah. So it's a new party. It's a new coalition, and it's going to kick butt in the next few elections. Well, that's cool. Totally you know, different. it's interesting that you that you see that, and um, I do think that the the very left wing, the very progressive aspect of the Democratic Party that has taken so much hold. I mean, they are just playing. I mean, they're advocating censorship. They're the conversation about race has become absurd. Uh, I don't know, you know, if you believe yeah. in, in the philosophy of Martin Luther King, then apparently you're a racist now. It's unbelievable, uh, you know, if you're not actively working on anti-racism or, you know, like they've set the bar so high that everybody becomes a white supremacist. Uh, and it just, I, you know, there's no room for conversation or personal growth uh -huh. or, you know, rational discussion about race in the United States and, anymore. And, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking to the parents, you know, I'm raising a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. So I'm talking to the parents at the elementary school all the time. Mm -hmm. And the, and the 90, I'm saying 80 to 90% of the parents in the Boca schools and the Boca is not known to be a conservative stronghold. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that's, you know, Broward, well, it's still Palm Beach County, but Palm Beach is, is, you know, not a real strong conservative county. Uh, Broward is even worse in, in, in that perspective, if you believe in the conservative cause. But mm -hmm. anyway, there's, the, the support for critical race theory among the parents in those schools in Boca is 90% against 10% for. Mm -hmm. I know it's not any better than that. It could even be more. The, the, the support for this sexual confusion, teaching that there's these kids at five, six, seven years old, right. that there's several different sexes that they can choose from, that is even, I would say, even more hated. Right by the parents. Okay? Yeah. You know, I'm uh, starting to see, well, I'm just starting to see pushback from the African-American community about critical race theory. And I'm starting to see pushback from the homosexual community about this new push from the, the white upper class uh, progressives uh, yeah. for transgenderism, because it's hard enough for a two-spirited person yeah. or, a, you know, a homosexual person to deal with their sexual identity as they go through their teenage years without having all of this constant pressure pushing them towards transgenderism now, uh, you know, so even within the communities that they're so purportedly I protecting, you know, they're getting frustrated. Mm -hmm by the way that these uh, these quote-unquote virtuous systems are being imposed. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I have a speaker in the 48 speakers by the name of David Arthur. And David, um, his picture on the com. look at his picture and you'll see half his face is a woman and half his face is a man. Well, mm -hmm. But here's, he was posing as a woman and taking all the hormones and everything he could to try to change his body, his male body, into a female. David talks about he was recruited, how he was recruited into the LGBTQ community as a very young man, mm. uh, young in a boy, and, and, and how he lived in that community, what it's all about, and all the values of it. And it is on earth shaking interview people you got to listen to that interview for sign up if you've just listened to that one interview uh it he tells the whole story what's really going on with this whole lgbtq situation he finally had a spiritual awakening and he realized who he was 
and how fake it was and that there's a man and there's a woman and every piece of DNA in our body, if we're born a male, is a male DNA. It's a cell and molecules and everything in our body. It's either male or female. There's two sexes. And this stuff is just utter nonsense. And it's all it's all it is for is to confuse our young children and try to break up the, the nuclear family, which, which, by the way, one of the goals of BLM was stated there to break up the nuclear family because the nuclear family, a man, a man and a woman and their children, that family unit is the basis of a free republic. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And, and you, right. you break that up, you break up the family. And you break up the society and the whole the whole thing crumbles and then you can have Marxism and socialism and a big government and government is God. Right. And that's that's their their agenda. Yeah, it's it's so, so funny to me when so you look at these elite families or even the way a mafia is set up, any cartel is set up around these <laughs> very strong families. And so they of all people know how important it is to have a strong family unit and they don't want any competition. So the more they can break up uh, the family, you know. Uh, it, within the lower classes, mm-hmm. the middle class, the easier they are to to manage and control. You know what? You, you, you that's something I never had thought of. But you're right. Those families, like the Rockefeller family, they're very close. Right. They're very. I mean, you know, very all about family. The Rockefellers, all yeah. of them. I mean, the, you're right. You're absolutely the, right. The blue so blood bloods. How important family is. Yeah. Oh, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just saying, you know, I think with, I mean, feudalism, they, these guys actually, you know, go so far as to, to, I mean, they're really attempting to, you know, genetically improve their line or what, you know, um, I mean, they're yeah. very conscious of, of, of how their families evolve, uh, and always trying to improve. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it gets, mm-hmm. it, it gets probably is the foundation of their social Darwinism and then the eugenicism and, and all of the rest of it. And then into the transhumanism, which is why they push for it so much. And they know that, that strong family units, yeah. uh, in the lower classes would, yeah. would be exactly that competition that they don't, you know, they don't want to see strong families, uh, in the lower classes because, you know, then, then we wouldn't let ourselves get pushed around. Right. <laughs> we would never stand for this. <laughs> I, I want to bring up one other point, I think, before I let you go, and we've gone a little bit long, but I, you know, I'm going to cut out some of this time that where you, the, the connection hasn't been clear. But uh, we are hearing this pushback about, you know, domestic terrorism and extremism. I think this is how uh, the, the system, the corporate system is pushing back against uh, any kind of libertarian resurgence or certainly, uh, you know, the independent press, the independent media. Uh, the anti-corporate resistance that's happening right now. They're trying to peg everyone as a neo-Nazi or a white supremacist using critical race theory. Uh, and then, you know, an extremist or, or a domestic terrorist. Are you concerned? Um, because, I mean, we're seeing the Biden administration is now, I mean, they've used this whole January 6th thing, which I would argue is almost a, a Reichstag fire type false flag in order to push this narrative. Uh, and it seems like, you know, this domestic terrorism bill is almost inevitable. Uh, and it's just going to become harder and harder for, for libertarians to, to speak freely. Um, do you see this coming or do you think that we're going to be able to, to head this off at the pass? Well, I think, it, I think it's just one more example of them pushing too far mm-hmm. and people seeing it, you know, and, uh, you know, 
people, you know, just saying, "What? Well, this is crazy. These people are just expressing their opinion. They're not domestic terrorists, you know, right. um, you know, and, and, you know, the whole narrative. It's, but it's what they do. And uh, why they lose is because they don't know when to stop pushing. Mm-hmm. And um, they just get more radical and more radical as every day goes on. And uh, so, you know, I'm not I'm not that concerned about it. I think it's just one more example of the battle that we're in. And it's really it really comes down to an information war. It is an information war. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, the more they censor, I think the more people it, 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 that's all the only thing they can do now, because we have the truth. Remember right. that we have the truth. The truth resonates so much more powerfully than lies. Yeah. And so what do they can, what can they do? They have to censor, they have to attack, they have to try to put people in jail, which makes it even worse, you know, because right. every time that you have a story of some great family member being put in prison and tortured because they went to Washington, D.C. to support the president, uh, you know, it's, it's just people are going, oh, this is, this is wrong, you know? Yeah. And uh, do I've they actually... want to live in a country like that? No. Right. I've actually lost friends. I mean, I call it uh, Trump derangement syndrome, the way the, the corporate media was able to turn Trump supporters into, you know, wild eyed white nationalists, you know, white supremacists, fascists, uh, racist people. Uh, and so many people even yeah. bought into it. I did have one progressive friend who woke up out of it by going to a Trump rally and seeing people of color and everybody getting along, you know. <laughs> And it was so opposite of what of the propaganda that she'd been fed from the corporate media that she totally it blew her mind. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that she became yeah. a libertarian on the spot, but she certainly woke up to the, the corporate media's power to foment hatred and misinformation about, you know, what the other side was like. And again, I, I mean, I've had personal friendships that have ended because uh, people, you know, my, I had a friend that thought, you know, I, and all I was, I wasn't even being a Trump supporter. I was just defending, uh, Trump supporters mm-hmm. right to free speech, you know, and he was so convinced that right. we were in the midst of some kind of, you know, white supremacist takeover, mm-hmm. uh, that he was appalled that I would even do that. Um, and that's, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do except for to say what you said, that it's an information war and hope that people will stop listening to CNN and NPR and MSNBC and, and, uh, and start, you know, actually talking to people who think differently than they do. Uh, and they, and they'll find out that they don't have anything to be afraid of. In fact, uh, I think, you know, as we've discussed, we're the ones who are supporting, uh, the anti-corporate, uh, anti-patriarchy, anti-colonial right. agenda here. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's so, I hope people will see that, you know, mm-hmm. if they watch, if they go to common um, and they go and they, they participate in this event and they listen to the, some of these speakers <clears throat> that will they'll learn a tremendous amount. And, um, and, you know, maybe it will, it will, um, you know, get rid of some of these misconceptions that people have that right. they've been given by mainstream media. Yep, absolutely. And so you've got 48 different speakers. Uh, if you, you don't want to pay anything, then you get uh, 24 hours, 10 speakers a day, uh, all week next week Correct. And for, for 37 bucks, less than 40 bucks. You get, uh, you can download it and listen to it at your leisure anytime, huh? That's exactly right. And I hope that your listeners who this sounds like a good idea, will share this with uh, everyone they know. And uh, just tell them to sign up. They can sign up for free and 
just go to commonsensesummit.com. And, uh, you know, one of the things they told me, though, today, the company that I'm doing this with, who has been doing it for 10 years, mm-hmm. where the conversion rate of people that um, look, at, look at it and they've signed up for free and then they start listening to speakers or, or you know, they start learning more about what we're going to be talking about, the conversion rate to just buying the $37 and having all 48 speakers is the highest they've ever seen in 10 years. Great. So, you yeah. know, I think it's a really sign that, you know, hey, these, these are people that um, I, I need to hear, you right. know, and so they just want to pay the 37 and just, you know, listen to them anytime they want. Right. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, I'm it's very a great excited. deal. I, I can't, I, yeah, it's a great deal. It's yeah. a great deal. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's a life changing thing for a lot of people. If you listen to these speakers, I really do. Yeah, very cool, Clyde. Thank you so much for putting this on and educating people about the libertarian philosophy like we've been discussing for this last hour plus. Uh, the, the misinformation is very, very thick. People don't understand uh, They don't understand uh, the libertarian perspective, and they have been very misinformed as to what's going on. So I want to thank you so much for uh, putting this all together. And just to tell everyone, uh, you can go to commonsensesummit.com. You can see all 46, uh, 48 speakers that Clyde has lined up for you. Uh, and uh, you can sign up. You can get it for free. Listen to it all week next week uh, as they come out. Or uh, for just 37 bucks, you can sign up and you can listen to uh, the whole thing at your leisure. Whenever you have time, you can download it. Uh, it gives you a lot of other options. So commonsensesummit.com, and uh, you can get access to uh, all of that information. And if you're not clear on libertarian philosophy, if you're a, a left-leaning or progressive person, uh, that is not familiar with it, I highly suggest that he's got a great lineup, uh, hours and hours of great content. So check it out. And I'll just let everyone know, thank you for listening to this Shift exclusive. I'm helping Clyde get the work, the word out about the summit. Uh, and you can find all of my material at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, that includes uh, The Shift, uh, my new show, Beyond Politics. Uh, I've got the Psychology of Lockdown series. I've got uh, older stuff that I've done, the roundtable discussions, uh, the Thursday morning report, hours and hours of free content, and hundreds of people that I've interviewed uh, over the last 10 years. So www.theshiftnow.com. You can also check me out on uh, Facebook at Doug McKinty. I'm kind of using my personal page now, and uh, I'm directing people now to Rockfin, rockfin.com, where you can sign up for my premium stuff um, and hear all of the full-length, feature-length videos uh, that I've got. And plus, you can see all my other stuff on Rockfin, and I'm also on Odyssey, pulling away from YouTube. Um, And I'm on a lot of the other social media sites as well. Just look up The Shift with Doug McKinty, and I'll see you there. Thanks again for coming on, Clyde. And thank you all for checking this out. And I hope you go to commonsensesummit.com and check out what Clyde's got going on there because it is a great lineup uh, and a lot of great information. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You guys have a great day. Take care. Well, all right, everybody. There you have it. That's my conversation with Clyde Cleveland. He is uh, about to put on this summit, Common Sense Summit, next week. So I thought I'd have him back on. Uh, We can do a little promotion for it. Uh, And I am just starting to get more and more into uh, promoting libertarian philosophy, I think. I've spent a lot of time time trying to compromise, a lot of time... Uh, trying to figure out how we can move forward through the left-right paradigm by finding a a common ground. And over the last couple of uh, 
well. Over this last year and a half, uh, I have just been a little bit blown away by the force uh, and the impact uh, that the progressive movement has had in terms of its promotion uh, of things like censorship, uh, of uh, the, the blind following of the state corporate apparatus, uh, of the shaming of people uh, that have different ideas. Um, and I think that we are getting closer and closer to uh, a very, very dangerous time in the history of the United States. And I am just uh, feeling like the as much as I have tried to compromise, as much as I've learned uh, about progressive theory and uh, as many of the progressives in my community that I've worked with politically, uh, it's just more and more becoming very apparent uh, that individual freedom of choice, uh, healthcare freedom, uh, is not important uh, in their minds, and that they are working from a place where, uh, when the government hierarchy uh, tells them this is the truth, they're just going to believe it. And and when that truth uh, infringes on individuals' ability to make personal choices about their healthcare, about their education, uh, about the kind of lifestyle they want to lead. Uh, then uh, I think they're really starting to cross a line. They're, they're starting to cross a personal boundary. Uh, and at some point, you just have to say enough is enough. So um, as much as I've represented sort of both sides, I don't know. You know, I'm going to continue to have lots of different people on the show for sure. Uh, but I've just got to start making more of a public stand uh, that I think that libertarianism really is the only nonviolent political philosophy that's out there. It's founded in nonviolence. It's founded on... Uh, personal individual choice making. If you're not infringing on the boundaries of others, uh, then you can make whatever choice you need to make. Uh, the state's not here to be our parent. Um, I have just more and more, uh, as you know, if you've been listening to the Psychology of Lockdown series, been applying psychology to this whole uh, situation, and I'm finding that uh, adulting needs to happen in our society, that people need to understand and respect boundaries of other adults that adults are allowed to make choices <laughs> for themselves, even if you disagree with those choices. We've got this whole vaccine thing coming up, the vaccine passports, vaccine mandates, which we all know are coming right around the corner. Uh, and these uh, infringe on personal boundaries. You cannot do that to another human being. You can't treat... This is slavery. Once you cross that boundary of personal bodily autonomy... You're talking about living in a slave state, a complete slave state. And I'm sorry, and I don't understand why uh, my progressive friends can't understand or grasp this. Uh, they seem to think that whatever the government tells them, and I, and I don't even mean to uh, objectify, you know, they, it doesn't mean everybody. I have progressive friends that, that do still care about uh, individual rights, uh, but that number is getting fewer and fewer. Um, you know, these last four years with Trump, where I've had friends that have caught this Trump derangement syndrome like you wouldn't believe, to where all Republicans just suddenly became white nationalists, fascists, domestic terrorists, all of this verbiage coming out about the far right. What does that even mean? I mean, this is where the, this is where the dialectic just falls apart. Because the far right, what is it, a libertarian, a far right? I don't know any libertarians that believe in racism or, uh, you know, or any of these things that the supposedly the far right, and I don't even know anybody, 
who is a, a member of a white supremacist group or, you know, any of this. But I know a lot of progressives who have been cheering on censorship. Uh, I know a lot of progressives who have been uh, waiting around for the CDC's next mandate and then shaming people who don't want to follow those mandates and advocating for complete state control uh, of what businesses can do, uh, of what individuals can do, forcing all of us to be locked down in our homes. And another thing that I'm really getting tired of personally is the hypocrisy that I see within the philosophy. Uh, they say they're anti-patriarchy, and yet they follow the corporate government patriarchy to the letter. Uh, they say they want health care as a human right, but only the corporate health care, only big pharma health care, uh, who's going to charge us one way or another. They're going to profit whether they get it from the government or whether they get it from our pockets through the current fixed system. Uh, so why are they advocating for this corporate government system, even if the government pays for it all? I don't want to live my life according to what the corporations say. I want to have healthcare freedom where I get to choose my treatment protocols based on what experts that I talk to, when they give me advice, I can make my choice. Do I want to take hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or a treatment protocol for early COVID? Uh, because I have come to that choice from the science that I've seen and from the experts that I've talked to that that choice makes sense to me. Then I should be able to make that choice. It's just phenomenal to me. And then what I'm practically seeing as a cult of scientism where if the patriarchy, if the hierarchy of science says that this is what science says, if Dr. Fauci says this is what science says, then that must be the truth. And everybody must follow what, what, the, you know, what the person at the top of the patriarchal hierarchy says. And I don't, I mean, what? Like, science doesn't work that way. There are many different scientists, many different peer-reviewed papers. Some of them have conflicting uh, conclusions. You know, experts need to be able to read these for themselves, come to their own conclusions, give us the advice uh, from the scientific community. We should be watching debates between scientists who disagree so we can make our own choices about how we move forward with our lives. Just phenomenal. Or on the, uh, on the issue of race, where now people who follow what Martin Luther King is saying uh, are apparently racist because uh, you're supposed to judge people based on the color of their skin or based on their gender or their sexual identity because that's where they get their power from, I guess, in the group, according to identity, identity politics. If you just choose, as a libertarian would choose, to look at an individual as a human being and judge them based on their character, the content of their character and not the color of their skin, as Dr. Martin Luther King said, then... Now we're not working on our anti-racism, uh, so we don't believe in diversity, which by the way, what is diversity? Diversity is giving quote-unquote people of color access to the white man's path, right? To the white man's way of education or the white man's healthcare. I don't see these people uh, learning from indigenous cultures, really, when they say they're learning from cultures of color. Uh, most of the time, from what I've seen, they're culturally appropriating. They're not actually participating. They're certainly not going to start believing in, in uh, shamanism if they believe in scientism. They, they're going to scoff at indigenous cultures while they're telling us they believe in diversity. I mean, this is it's just over and over again. So I'm going off on a rant, um, but I felt like it was kind of time to, to come out publicly and really say that I'm going to be more and more supportive of this libertarian perspective. And in this 
uh, conversation I just had with Clyde, we did uh, cover a lot of these issues because he uh, has, through the Common Sense Summit, He's gotten a lot of these different experts together from this libertarian perspective, and he's had these conversations about what a world would look like if we had healthcare freedom. Not free healthcare, but the freedom to choose our own treatment protocols instead of having the treatment protocols given to us by the corporate insurance companies or by the government, either one, by the, go by the government corporate complex, right? The governments and the corporations work together. <laughs> It's the thing, when people are so used to the left-right paradigm, they think that the corporations are on the right and the government's on the left. But the truth of the matter is that we've been working with this government corporate complex for, for 100 years now in total control. So they're not different. We have to get away from corporate government control, and libertarianism is that philosophy. Uh, you know, I just think it's well worth your time. If you are someone who uh, is left-leaning and you've been listening to this show because I do provide and I consider myself a, a left-leaning libertarian for what that's worth in a free society, of course, uh, we could choose to live in community. And of course, uh, I think more and more workers would choose to organize in cooperatives. I mean, that's the point of living in a free society is you get to choose different methods uh, of social organization uh, and you cho get to choose uh how cooperative you want to be and and cooperative endeavors among communities is something that of course libertarianism embraces i mean this is another thing that drives me nuts like like again as i said in the introduction there has been so much misconception about what libertarianism is uh and this is done on purpose because the corporate government complex doesn't want you to know they don't want you to study austrian economics so you don't get that in school you get marxism in school Absolutely. You get Hegelian dialectic in school, but you won't get Austrian economics. Uh, you won't be reading uh, libertarian philosophies in a government school, and you won't be hearing about that in the corporate media. You won't imagine that that's an option. Instead, they're misinforming you and trying to tell you that people who believe in this path, this path of nonviolence, are somehow far-right white nationalists, right? It's not true. <laughs> They're telling you that because this is the philosophy that they're scared of, and they don't want you to know. Uh, also, this idea that libertarianism is anti-environmentalism. Uh, I hope that you check out this summit and you can understand, as Clyde was talking about, that the environment, the environment, health and environment, are becoming the most important aspects of how to deal with libertarians, because in a libertarian society, according to common law, you get the option to defend yourself from toxic trespass. So they can't pollute the air that you breathe in a house that you're living in, right? They can't pollute the water that you drink because then you can sue them and you can put them out of business in a, true, in a truly uh, restitution-based uh, system. Instead of just you know throwing criminals in jail, uh, of course, uh, lower-class criminals, while the upper-class white-collar white criminals get away with it, <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, I am. I'm just going off on this rant. I hope you appreciate it. It did come up a lot in, in the conversation with Clyde, and I am just letting my listeners know that uh, you're going to get more uh, libertarianism from the shift, uh, because I just, again, it's, it's the nonviolent path forward. We don't have to have uh, societies based on violence. Uh, if you've been taught that, quote-unquote, that free market 
is capitalism and capitalism is patriarchal and hierarchical and and violent and and is devastating the environment and all of that then you don't understand libertarian philosophy uh, libertarian philosophy gives the power to the individual to protect themselves from corporate actors from these larger players uh, libertarianism does not mean that you're uh, some kind of colonizer or ardent individualist who works against cooperative action in fact it promotes cooperative action uh, it just allows you to do so with your own free will rather than being forced to do it through the uh, imposition of violence from the state. Um, <laughs> so anyway, again, all this stuff got flushed out with that conversation with Clyde. I've been uh, kind of uh, maybe repressing some of this anger um, just because of the hypocrisy that I've been dealing with and, and, the, and the clear danger. I mean, Clyde, one of the things I appreciated about that conversation is that he is really optimistic. He sees the, the corporate government complex uh, as pushing so hard right now that people are starting to wake up. Uh, and he's promoting this nonviolent solution. We don't have to live like this. We don't have to live in this hierarchical system where a few people control the corporate government complex and, and have wealth beyond anything that they need. Uh, we could live in a society where power is distributed amongst individuals, where there's not this centralization of wealth and power in the hands of the few. That is what is created uh, by the corporate government complex, by the system of patriarchal colonization that we've all been living under now for thousands of years, and it's, you know, developed into this entire, this lust for, for technocratic control of the entire world at this point. Uh, and I just see the solution uh, as uh, people needing to wake up to decentralizing power, at least getting the power back into the hands of your own community, not in the hands of a state government, not in the hands of a federal government, and uh, ultimately having respect for other adults and their beliefs. Uh, if they're not hurting you specifically, uh, then uh, you know you need to respect that people have boundaries. It's just how we live as adults. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of the gaslighting, the infantilism, uh, the hypocrisy. So anyway, hope you check out the summit because it's going to have all the information that you need to learn about this perspective and uh, a lot of uh, different experts from across the spectrum, uh, healthcare, environment, uh, you know, how uh, policing would work uh, in a free society, um, and I think that you can learn a lot, especially if uh, you've never been exposed to libertarian philosophy before. Uh, so I'll just tell you once again, you can check out Clyde and his summit at www.commonsensesummit.com. It'll be happening next week. Uh, they're going to release, I guess, sounded like uh, nine, uh, nine people a day for the first couple of days, for every day, something like that. And you're going to have to catch it live unless you pay for it. And if you do, it's only $37 to be able to uh, download it at your leisure and listen to it. And I'll tell you, uh, for the amount of content that he's providing uh, and the experts that he's compiled together, uh, that is just pocket change for what you're getting for the value. So again, commonsensesummit.com. Check it out learn more about uh, what it could be like to live in a free society. Uh, learn about the libertarian option because uh, it is, as I have said, the only nonviolent solution. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we just have to, <laughs> I mean, we have to start to embrace the fact that we need to, to build a free society. I mean, clearly the corporate government complex uh, has gotten the upper hand uh, and they don't care about you. 
I can tell you that. So uh, hopefully you know, we can work together uh, to build a different way. So anyway, uh, I have been out of it for uh, like the last month. I went to South Dakota um, to do some ceremony, which was awesome. But uh, there were a lot of ticks out there, came back, and I had a pretty nasty case of Lyme's disease. So I've been out for about four weeks with that. I finally figured out what was going on, and fortunately I have uh, gotten on the antibiotics, which I don't, wouldn't normally take, but I needed to kick this thing in the, in the butt before uh, it got chronic. Uh, and I think I caught it in time, so I am slowly healing, but I'm sorry that I haven't been producing more content. I will be doing that, uh, catching up. Uh, here as we get into August. So thanks everybody for checking this one out. I hope you check out the summit and you can catch all of my stuff at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, I should be, I'm working on producing another episode of Beyond Politics with Jason Bosch. I'll be getting more psychology of lockdown uh, out there soon. And of course, uh, the shift uh, will be will be coming out. I've got a couple in the can, so um, those will be coming out later this week. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. You all have a great day. Take care. <music>